have all my cigarettes. Do you want to do the introduction on this yeah, one? Yeah, okay. Are you ready? Oh, okay. Um, yeah. From this distant vantage point, the Earth might not seem of any particular interest. But for us, it's different. Consider again that dot. That's here. That's home. That's us. On it, everyone you love, everyone you know, everyone you ever heard of, every human being who ever was, lived out their lives. The aggregate of our joy and suffering, thousands of confident religions, ideologies, and economic doctrines, every hunter and forager, every hero and coward, every creator and destroyer of civilization, every king and peasant, every young couple in love, every mother and father, hopeful child, inventor and explorer, every teacher of morals, every corrupt politician, every superstar, every supreme leader, every saint and sinner in the history of our species lived there on the mote of dust suspended in a sunbeam. Hello, this is Ben Ray was right. Um, another episode, we decided not to number them now, just in case there's a shit one, and we decide not to broadcast it. Um, which we have done, haven't we? Mm. Mm. <laughs> that was really bad, that one. Like this one, will no, almost certainly be. Great, it was just going to be fantastic. Um, foreshadowing there. Uh, and today, this evening, we are going to talk about... Chevron, this is your subject... Uh, we're going to talk about the Doctor and his relationship with the planet Earth. Yes. Terra firma. Um, so, in the pirate planet, when the Doctor's asked what he does, he just responds with, I save planets mostly. <laughs> Unless, of course, it's Scar in remembrance of the Daleks. Yes. Um, but, obviously, he doesn't really do that much planet saving. He just kind of fannies about on Earth most of the time. And... <laughs> Because it seems to be one of his preferred holiday spots, he periodically prevents dramatic changes to the status quo that might be caused by alien threats. <laughs> so That's brilliant. He periodically prevents changes to the status quo. Right, yeah, that's really good. Yeah, I like that. Well, it's almost like you've got that written down. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you think about it, when the Doctor's confined to Earth, yeah. he desperately wants to leave. Yes. But then as soon as he's free to roam, he keeps bloody coming bloody back. Yeah. And you can't say every time that it's because that's where the TARDIS takes him or that's where the time will send him. Is the Doctor a sulky teenager who wants to get out from under... who wants to cut the apron strings from Mother Earth but still keeps coming back on Fridays to get his washing done? He hates caravan holidays with his parents. And (laughs) as soon as he's got his own family, he drags them all on caravan holidays. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Sat in a lay-by on the A14. But, yeah. I mean, if you think about how the Doctor develops with his relationship to Earth... Yeah. Um, the first Doctor is, is seemingly quite apathetic at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Clearly, he's spent enough time on Earth since leaving Gallifrey in his stolen TARDIS mm. to have Susan, his granddaughter, and unestablished and what their true connection is, right. but to have her bother to enrol at a school yeah because if they're constantly traveling yeah there would be no point in her enrolling in school. Like, so they're clearly spending enough time there but when he interacts with humans mm. and when he um combats alien an alien menace on earth he seemingly does it with a sense of disdain or apathy yeah it's just fine there's an aggressive force and the right thing to do would be to stop it but he doesn't really have any kind of special relationship with earth really? at that point as far as i've noticed in the serials well, that I've see, seen. I mean, the other thing is like if, if it's a holiday spot then <clears throat> he's a bit of a train spotter because he's what what does he choose to, where is he going to park his his police box in a scrapyard that's a certain brutalist point of view about what a holiday should be. Let's go to the bleakest place that I can possibly find. I'm going to park there. We'll live We'll live in a scrapyard. Well, I'm not saying it's a holiday at that point. Oh, okay. Um, my point was so just what was that... It? So what? So what's the backstory? Why did he end up in I a scrapyard? I don't bloody know. Okay. All I'm saying is he seems to spend a disproportionate amount of time on Earth mm. when certainly up to Tom Baker, he complains about Earth a lot. I mean, the third mm. Doctor... 
being stuck on Earth, can't stand it and desperately wants to leave. Yeah. And then as soon as he, he gets his TARDIS working again, all the Time Lords let him He goes to Machinalis. He, he leaves, <laughs> but he comes back a lot. Yeah. So the first Doctor, I feel, my interpretation, please do... Once I've made my point, right. make Once your own. Once you've made your point. <laughs> Once wait, I've made my so point. So I'll wait until you've made your point. Well, maybe you shouldn't. You never okay. do. <laughs> um, like I said, he just seems to have... He, he really doesn't seem to have any kind of special affection for, human, for the human race or no. for Earth. Right. It's just where he is. Mm. And it's where he does what he does at the time. Mm. Um... The second Doctor is much more affable mm-hmm. and has a fair, but he does have a fair whack of stories off world. Mm-hmm. Um, although a lot of the communities he meets are humanoid um, or humans that yeah. have colonized other planets yeah. um, or on space stations. So whether or not we're starting to see him develop a real sense of. Um, an affinity with Earth mm. is neither here nor there until uh, the war games when he's exiled and it's explicitly stated that the reason he's going to be exiled to Earth is because he's shown a genuine right. fondness for that planet and the people of that yeah. planet. This is where the narrative is is is, is this headcanon. We're, we're making these stories up about why where what it actually is it's cheaper it's cheaper to set it in a quarry. It's cheaper but to... But more often than know. not, if it's in a quarry, that's to represent an alien world. Hey, good point. Because when, when you're on Earth, you're in a stately home or... Yeah, or in an underground, counties, yeah. Or an, or, or an underground station. In a corridor, yeah. Or in a corridor. Yeah. But it's, you know, spa- the corridors and quarries are often used corridors when you're... Corridors and quarries, I love that, yeah. When you're not on Earth. yeah. If so, the whole of the universe is either a quarry or a corridor. Mm, that's why that, a great so gag unique. is when they land in a quarry and they're wondering what world it is, and it turns out to be a quarry on Earth with a corridor in it, like oh. the Tomb of the Cybermen. As I said, oh, we're in a quarry. Uh, what's that over there? There's some corridors there. Let's go there. <laughs> Sorry, you know when you said you make a point and then I jump in. Mm. That's not working. Mm. So, I've, anyway, so, so so I've said how that yeah, so. What I said about the first Doctor and his relationship with Earth... He doesn't give a shit about the Earth. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. He gives a shit about the history of the Earth because, like, he... You know, even before the idea of the fixed point, there's a lot of... There's... In the historicals, oh, we can't change this, we can't do that, we can't, Mm. you know... Well, he's fascinated with history. He's a historian. Mm. um, And he's fascinated with the history of Earth. No, really? Do you think that's what he is? He, He seems to have a great interest in the events of Earth as in, in a historical context. And I, I kind of, as a historian as a historian of sorts myself, I think it's quite sad that we don't get historicals anymore. The closer right. we get are the pseudo-historicals, where yeah. it's not just uh, the Reign of Terror, mm. for example, where it's, you know, the Reign of Terror is just a historical story. Yeah. There's no secret alien menace Robespierre Robespierre is not an android Robospear (laughs) Robospear brilliant yeah I like that Robospear is a marat and fucking angels of death (coughs) you don't get those anymore which is a shame I think but people would probably find them boring now Mm. people are stupid Mm. Um, but his I mean he's interested in what's happened on earth but there are all these terrible things that have happened and the destruction of an entire race but he doesn't change it. I mean, going into modern Doctor Who, mm. um, a pseudo-historical, um, when David Tennant's Doctor visits Vesuvius with Donna Noble, yes, where he says, "No, we can't save them. This is a fixed point. And this 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 eruption has let's, to." Let's 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 save the person who's frowning that face. Well, yes, let's save the person <laughs> who's frowning. and he does. You know, break that rule by saving one family and thereby completely ruining the Cambridge Latin course for years to come. <laughs> what's, no, what's that about? What's the Cambridge? How, how does that work? The Cambridge Latin course. If you ever studied Latin at school, um, as I did, yeah, uh, and I didn't. The yeah. national standard books are the Cambridge Latin course, which right. are based on stories of Caecilius Ky- and his household. 
Really? Yeah. I did not know that. So, Caecilius Estin Horto, um, Grumio the cook, Estin Culina, and usually the running Estin joke... Estin Culina? Yeah. Usually <laughs> the running joke between... Um, so Caecilius is an actual person, a real, yeah. a real historical figure. Caecilius is a real historical figure. I did not know who's that. Who's been used as the basis of wow. fictionalised accounts to teach school children Latin. Really? Yes. I did not know that. That's, that's just opened up an entirely new aspect on the fires of time. And I, I'm not going to explain this for anyone, but um, if you did the Cambridge Latin course, you'll understand how funny it is if I say, Grumio est in Metella. Um, moving on. <laughs> Brilliant. I'm good. I've got that completely. I'm laughing inside. I bet you are. <laughs> so, well, now we, come on. My, now we come on to my pet theory, my head cannon, my Cyberman's yeah. fucking death ray, is that I know why the Doctor is looking after the Earth. Okay, go on. I know why he's doing that. Now, I, I think it's a, it's a point that you made, that he's a historian. Mm. Right? The Earth is... Da, 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 it's Gallifrey. Earth is, yeah, it is that what he is doing, he is a doctor of history and he's travelling back in time from a distant future where the Earth is all, the human race have become the Gallifreyans, they've evolved two hearts uh, and, they are, and what he is doing is going back in time to preserve history. Which so is, is why Gallifrey you get Earth or is Gallifrey a planet that it has could be been colonised? It could been be a colony, but, the, but, but, the thing, but basically... Because if Gallifrey's Earth and it's taken out of time entirely in current canon, yeah. then the Earth is also taken out it's of time bollocks. entirely. It is bollocks, what I'm saying. It is absolute bollocks. But I, don't, I, do, I, I think it, you know, this lovely idea that fans have of headcanon, where you try and work out uh, 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 um, off-screen stories that explain the weirdly uh, um, arcane and complicated and tangled history that Doctor Who, being a TV programme, has created for itself. That the continuity of Doctor Who is as great ardent fans, we make that continuity work. And we, we, we take huge delight and uh, enormous effort in making that continuity work. Um, and my particular way of making the continuity work for the reason why the Doctor is so fascinated by Earth is because it is his actual history. He's looking after the Earth. This is the reason why he genocides entire alien races that have as much uh, right to, to live as he does. He's preserving his history. And, uh, yeah, and that is pure bullshit headcanon. But, uh, you know, but a lot of theorising about Doctor Who is well since you mentioned genocide yeah should we skip ahead because okay. the third doctor has a crack at the brig for ostensibly committing genocide in the silurians but he's not yeah. above doing it himself right i mean the most obvious example is uh in trial of the time lord right when the sixth doctor justifies um destroying the vervoids to protect humans on hyperion three right. and the valiard and the valiard then leaps on it and says well then you're, um, then you must be tried for genocide. Mm. Because in that, he has chosen the vervoids mm. over humans. Oh, he's chosen humans over the vervoids. It's one genocide for another. Mm. So it seems incredibly strange that he'd criticise the Brig as the third Doctor for doing <laughs> that. And the Doctor often defends Earth from species looking to colonise it um, mm. because their own homes have been destroyed or become inhospitable, and in doing so, a number of times commits genocide. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. Oh, the Fourth Doctor killed Sutek mm -hmm. and Eldrad mm -hmm. and the Last of the Fendal and Scaroth, Last of the Jagaroth. Yeah, Last of the Jagaroth. Yeah, Last of the Jagaroth. Last of the Jagaroth. Yeah, much right to live as anybody else. All is all is a. <sighs> We've, we've talked before about how wonderful City of Death is. Yep. Um, the, uh, one of the things that... So you, the Doctor's a, a raging hypocrite when it comes well, to Well, you see... And, it's, no, it's and he's, he's clearly showing a preference for Earth. The hypocritic oath. So, ah, that was terrible. I can't, I, believe, <laughs> I can't believe you interrupted me for that. <laughs> yeah, that's terrible. But the other thing is... Uh, very terrible. But the other thing is, like, New Who's done it, done it the same. It's like um, the nesting intelligence... Uh, uh, um, survivors of the time war because their planet was burnt and then the doctor says no you can't fuck off you're not coming on earth either here's 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 the plastic destroying thing 
to get rid of you buggers as well. Even though I was uh, um, completely uh, uh, responsible for perhaps, because I'm a time lord, for your planet burning. And now you want to come to, to Earth? No, fuck off. So if your very plausible theory yeah. were to be wrong, yeah. how can we justify the Doctor's preference for Earth over seemingly any other civilization that might directly or indirectly threaten humanity? Racism. So the Doctor's a racist? <laughs> no, again, it's another stupid fucking theory, isn't it? It's like they have to... They, uh, Yeah, no, I'm not even going to... No, I think you're right. Yeah. Do you? No, genuinely, I think he's got an unfair bias towards humans. Yeah, because they look like Gallifreyans. Well, yeah. yeah. It's, it's funny how the humanoid... More often than not, it's, it's the humanoid characters that are under threat and the knobbly, gross ones that aren't. Except with the most controversial episode of this series Kill the Moon where he decides well uh, yes yeah which completely turns all of that I love the earth thing on its head and says no you three girls go off and decide whether the earth's going to die in, because a space flea shits on it um, I'm just going to bugger off and wait until you make that decision but that's I think part of the reason that I'm so fond of the current doctor oh go on because He's the closest to William Hartnell in that respect. All right, yeah. So far, yes, he has defended Earth. Mm -hmm. And he does have a strong bond with Clara, who is human. Mm. Um, Weird, but human. For limiting values of humanity. And... Mm. Uh, but he really shows great disdain for all other humans. Mm. And it's only because Clara was there when he regenerated. Do you think it's a love for Earth or a love for humanity? Well, I think with... Peter Capaldi, it's um, a deep-rooted sense that he should defend civilizations where mm. he can, and that's not limited to humans. Although no. there's been uh, there's not been a, a great deal of um, otherworldly uh, interactions in this series, so so it's hard to tell. But he does also, through his abrasive nature, have that element of the first Doctor's, mm. I'll help you, but... I've got a counter-example. I'm not going to go out of my way for the sake of Earth and jeopardise another civilization for it. Mm. In Flatline, you can argue that it was a genuine aggressor who were mm. thoughtlessly usurping humanity. Mm. And it was defence, and he wasn't this plane is protected which is nice if you're going to spit spit at the mic not me (laughs) right that's lovely yeah so I've got a counter example go on a counter example is the mutants one of my Mm favourite serials is where he protects the aliens against the human aggressors yeah and uh, completely protects them I think that's great and I think as I said, the the third Doctor's the last Doctor really. Actually, that's not true. The fourth Doctor does it well, but the third Doctor is the one who, in the Silurians as well, tell mm. gives the Brig a bollocking for, you know, com- committed potentially. So the most patronising Doctor is also the most defending of differently um, alien people. Well, not necessarily the most, but he, but he still, but but I think the focus on earth hadn't really established itself by that point and he was mm. still universally defending the weak right or defending the um or, That's or defending yeah yeah uh, so, uh, uh, and the, the the genocide thing that you brought up which is a great point but also the the fact that he decides not to commit genocide in the genesis of the daleks the mm. most the, the most evil race ever uh, and he goes, have I the right? You know, so there's all sorts of wonderful things going on there. And again, it is, it's to do with the overarching narrative of the Doctor, which I think goes beyond, transcends almost the production and the writers who are involved in it. That there is this kind of gestalt of, of, of the Doctor's story that is more than just the quotidian writing uh, twat in his uh, trying to, 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 to meet a deadline in order to write a, a, a half-hour 
episode for a Saturday evening is that the Doctor's story is actually greater than the sum of its parts. The sum of its parts being poor production values and, uh, and actors who, who thought they were slumming it when they were uh, brought on, stunt casting, all that kind of stuff, is uh, directors who really didn't give a shit about it. Um, although there is the case that nobody made it, nobody went into Doctor Who to make a bad a bad program. That that all of these things come together: the writers, the actors, the fans. You know, everybody who's involved in Doctor Who. They come. They they they're coming to make a kind of a, a bigger narrative about Doctor Who, much bigger narrative that has a continuity over fifty years that can give you. Headcanon that can give you the right to legislate for you to be able to say no. This is the story. This is the bigger story. He loves Earth because of this. He doesn't love Earth because it's easier and cheaper to set most of your uh, uh, in the Third Doctor's era uh, to set most of your stuff on Earth because it's cheaper. That's balls because the Third Doctor had the biggest budget up until that time. Am I right in saying? Almost yeah. Yeah. So so the budget thing wasn't wasn't a problem. Well, do you know what I'm saying? I, I think there I, are budgetary constraints. There, there are always budgetary constraints in classic Who, but the fact is, the quarry issue. Yeah. People talk about how it's always a quarry, but it's usually a quarry if it's off-world. It's it's usually. Yeah, no, you made that point very well. What I think what I'm trying to say is like the story overarches it. You know, like the point that uh, we talked about a while ago. Didn't do it on a podcast about. Um, that I that I think that uh, Doctor Who is being acted by is these great stories that are being acted by a rep company in Ripon. You know, it's, it's why don't you ex- why don't you explain well, that? So, so the idea the, the idea behind this is that uh, you have these great mythic stories, and what we're watching is our Earth-based rendition of these great mythic stories. Is that uh, we've we've got a group of uh, amateur dramatics in a church hall acting out the great stories uh, the great mythology of the universe and that what we're actually watching when we're watching bad production values ignore the rat stuff is we're watching great stories done to the best ability that they could be at that point in time uh, the story is bigger the story is bigger than the production I think that's that's the only point I'm trying to make is that is the story has, has become its own thing and that all of the writers, the good writers, get it, and they 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 contribute. But to by that the token, canon. every single story could be a story about humans on Earth and potentially human aggressors, without the need for any kind of extraterrestrial involvement. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, but we still go to Peladon. Mm. We still go to you know Scar. We still go to these other worlds. Yeah. Yeah. And have those there, and is that for the novelty of it? Mm. Is that just to beef up a good story with something a bit more interesting? Science fiction. There's, you know, there's, there's, there's the kind of the so it's the so it's just it's drama. Wearing. It's drama, no, and I, the only science fictional element that gets brought in is the, the fact that you've taken a story about humans and made it about aliens. It's the drama that the, it, it, it's the clothes that the drama is wearing. It's the apparel. It's the it's it's what it's dressed in. It's the stories. Are sto- you know, the stories are deeper than that. Is that we've dressed them up in this way in order to make you know? It's it's a whole it's a whole bunch of metaphors that we're going to apply to this deeply interesting story, and we're going to set it on Scarab because it's easier for you to get it. It's easier for you to get it if there's this implacable alien force, like uh, Cass was talking about about the constant threat. Is they're not the constant threat is the substrate. The constant threat is the thing that you develop the story on top of. Is that the uh, mechanisms and metaphors and uh, contraptions that Doctor Who uses in order to put that story forward is science fiction or science fantasy or fairy tale. It doesn't matter because the story is better and the story has developed over fifty years. Um, I'm slightly ranting a bit, but I do believe it. Keep going. Yeah, I do believe it that 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 the, the, the the narr- that there is a story arc <laughs> of the Doctor that's been going on for 50 years. It doesn't happen in 10 or 12 series in 2014 with a, with a sweary Doctor uh, who, who is a jobbing actor who made a big splash with the thick of it. No, what's happening there is we've got this huge story going on about basic humanity, humanism, uh, kindness, uh, the way to defeat... 
adversity without resort to bullets and guns. That's the real story. And that everything that's going on is producing this wonderful mythology that the Doctor has decided that um, on Gallifrey as a professor of history that he's going to go back and preserve because the Gallifreyans are all sat in their bureaucracy deciding that they're not going to, to, to get involved with the rest of the universe. They're going to sit on their planet being very, very clever and the Doctor goes, no, twats, I'm going to go back and I'm going to see how it happened because I'm a Doctor of History. <laughs> By that token, yeah. Invasion of Time... Oh, wow, yes. A story in which uh, the fourth Doctor spends five of six episodes categorically not defending Gallifrey. Yeah, yeah. So everything I just said. <laughs> Would you like to revise your last statement based no, on I'm that? No, I'm not going to revise that. I'm going to revise my last statement. I, uh, that's such a good point, though. I'm going to have to... Uh... I mean, obviously he changed his mind in the last episode, but... Five episodes of Fuck Gallifrey. Yeah. Yeah. But then we do know that that episode was written in about two weeks because they... <laughs> That's not the point. Mm. It's still canon. It is, yeah. Yeah. Okay, getting back to defending the Earth. I thought I made a good point and you've completely destroyed it, so that's fine. This is the to and fro. This is the dynamic that we have. Is I say something you shit. Ran and you ran for eight minutes. <laughs> I say three words. Yeah. <laughs> That's fucked. You really are Zoe, aren't you? <laughs> or Ace. Should I say Ace? Which one are you? Zoe or Ace? Oh, Zoe in a yeah. sparkly cat suit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I'm the Valyard. Or the Scrapyard. And I forget which. I am Foreman. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Okay, well, so so we've we've tackled the issue about the Doctor um, defending the Earth to the uh, detriment of every other uh, um, alien with a point uh, or or or, or um, uh, excuse for existence, and the Doctor just goes, "Now bugger off! Uh, I'm going to defend the planet Earth because this is my holiday spot. This is where I'm going to take my family on caravan holidays." Is that your point? Well, I think so. And part of it, we, we usually focus on the classic series. Yeah. But I think there's a lot to be said for 2005 onwards right. when it comes to the Doctor's attitude towards Earth. I think Christopher Eccleston yeah. had a lot of um, time for everyone. He was almost an anti-hero Doctor who yeah. was just... Equality. For, he was he was a libertarian and equality for all, and didn't really discriminate. I'm not having protect. that he was a fucking libertarian. <laughs> I'm not having really? that at all. Go on. No fucking way. Go not on. Fucking. Okay. Other than just cunts, other than just saying just... fuck. <laughs> do you want to explain why not? Libertarian. Oh, because no, libertarianism is all about self-interest. Libertarian, well, the Randroid version of libertarianism is all about, you know, it's immoral not to express self-interest, which is the opposite of the Doctor. The Doctor is not a libertarian. But in the sense that humanity and all other races have the right to act in a libertarian manner. He's not just in his, per in his own personal anarchist. sense. You don't mean libertarian. No, I don't mean an anarchist. Yeah. You don't mean libertarian. Surely you don't mean libertarian. Do you libertarian. mean libertarian? Have you, you read any Ayn Rand? I have. Fucking shite. Right. Okay, so... Objectivist is, is, is Aristotelian philosophy filtered through the ravings of a... of a... Of a arsehole. <laughs> it's just... It's, it's bullshit. Uh, and the doctor is so not a libertarian. It's just, uh, you know, libertarianism is all about self-interest is moral. Anything that doesn't, anything that you do, uh, you should only do for yourself. There's no such, I mean, like, um, fucking Galt. What's his name? Gant, Galt, Twat, the architect in Atlas Shrugged says, uh, we don't have, this word does not exist. We don't use the word gift. We don't give. We don't give to anything. The doctor gives all the time. He's a very generous, very kind man. And the Doctor supports libertarianism in others. You think so? Yeah, and he acts in their yeah, and he acts in their interests. He's but then he's altruistic. 
he's being an altruist. If he's acting, if he, if he's, if he's providing the the means for other people to be selfish, he's being altruistic. Altruism implies that he is in some way um, losing out. Himself. He's benefiting others at his own expense. But I don't think no he altruism is... doesn't mean that. Yes, he, yes no, he it does. doesn't. It implies it. No, it doesn't. No, altruism does not do that. You know, the, the group theory of evolution is the fact that altruism is all about preserving the genetic pool of the whole group. You're doing it for the group. You. Shall I rephrase my original point? Yeah, don't say libertarian. That's the hot button for me. Being a fucking dyed-in-the-wool socialist. Christopher Eccleston's doctor... He's not a libertarian. I'm... <laughs> okay, well, we've thrashed that one to death. All right, okay. You and me Eccl- can disagree to differ. Chris Freckleston's doctor, yeah. I feel, throughout his series, um, did support the, you know, he had respect for the right to exist mm-hmm. of each and every civilization he encountered. Right. If they were aggressive, yeah. he would defend their victims right and often that was earth Mm -hmm. but not exclusively Mm -hmm. and he was i think the most fair-minded of the doctors in terms of yeah the point we made about the doctor perhaps being a bit racist i think he was the most open-minded of the doctors in terms of consideration of other yeah um, granted other civilizations yeah. and uh, species throughout the universe. Yeah. Um, David Tennant was a megalomaniac, but masquerading Egoist. as a defender. He's your own Randian, if anybody is. <laughs> um, no, I shouldn't flog that one to death. No, he should be flogged to death. He should be killed, pilloried and fucked. Oh, let's pretend we didn't say it. All right, then. Um, <laughs> yeah. David Tennant The is, emo doctor. Well, no, the, the narcissistic doctor. Same thing. Everything is about him, and he happens to be with humans on Earth, yeah. and therefore he paints himself as their ultimate saviour. Yeah, the lonely And he God. focuses on Earth mm. because he gets trapped in this cycle on Earth mm. and occasionally goes elsewhere and mm. comes up against other iffy things. But really, it's not about humans and it's not about Earth. It's entirely about him. He's having an intellectual wank, basically. It's like, yeah, it's masturbation. And he's just uh, self self... Pollution. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe that's a little bit controversial. Um, no, it's not. Because yeah. we've already used the R word, sort of the racism word, and mm-hmm. we've already used the L word, libertarianism and socialism and all that kind of stuff. And now we're getting down to the fact that uh, this, the 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 uh, tenth Doctor was a narcissist, an egoist, a. Uh, and all his companions were adjuncts to his personality. Mm. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. All right. That's interesting. And what about the eleventh Doctor then? How did that? What was the? What was well, the? Well, I change? think the eleventh Doctor was in the same way that I've said that. Um, the uh, in the same way that I've said that Peter Capaldi's Doctor is, in my mind, closest to the first Doctor's attitude. Yeah. The uh, Matt Smith Doctor is this absurd clown. Yeah. who is an absolute optimist. Right. He has yeah. his dark moments, as all Doctors do, yeah. especially in new series, but he is this ultimate optimist who, whilst it's um, Eccleston who says just this once everybody lives with such glee, is the kind yeah. of thing you imagine saying in his head every time he resolves yeah, yeah. a conflict. Yeah. Um, because that's that's who he is, and yeah. I mean, defending Christmas. He's the ragged trousered philanthropist, which isn't the way you pronounce it, philanthropist. Something like that. Yeah, I'm making a Zola reference, so. But he is not the marathon runner. He is a. I mean, he really is the most children's TV of all of the 
new I series had a theory doctors. about that, which is that Go he's on. Professor Yaffle from the from Bagpuss. Would you care to expand on that? Well, if you listen to Matt Smith with the without looking at the TV, he sounds like Oliver Postgate. He sounds exactly like Oliver Postgate. You know who I mean by Oliver Postgate? Yes. Yeah, clangers, bagpuss. Links in the show notes. Links in the show notes, right? Uh, Professor Yaffle is the uh, wooden bookend uh, um, uh, woodpecker who's extremely intelligent, very optimistic, very intellectual, uh, but uh, slightly um, to one side, slightly antagonistic to the little mice. We will fix it, the mouse organ. I think Professor Yaffle is the 11th Doctor and the mice organ is the Earth. So, no, I don't. I just made that up, but it's quite nice. I do. It, it all coming from the fact that I think uh, Matt Smith sounds like Oliver Postgate. And then we get the Super Dragon reference that you made last week. So, it all it all, it all bound up in this lovely ball of narrative to do with, um, you know, the Doctor is recapitulating Bagpuss. Um, I can't remember exactly which episode it is mm. for Matt Smith's Doctor. But there's a comment made about how Doctor means different things on different planets and oh, yeah, to different well, yeah, races. In some places and, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's very telling. Mm. And that two two humans in translation, the doctor's name is Healer. Right. Yeah, but Whereas, Doctor means different things now though, doesn't it? Doctor, be, doctor of philosophy, you're not a fucking healer. No, Doc- it means highly educated. Doctor means, means highly, highly educated. educated. Whereas right. it, do- it doesn't, you know, Which doctor we know is he's not because he failed his exams, didn't he? But, <laughs> but mm. on Earth, mm. in whatever language you choose, in whatever interpretation you choose, yeah. I have not come across um, a translation or um, synonym of the word doctor that is in any way connected to warrior no no or aggressor right whereas there is of course this explicit statement in doctor who now that no. says the doctor is an aggressive force right yeah but that's not how earth sees him that's not mm. how earth interprets him and there's plenty of other planets who don't interpret him in that way but to some civilization out there mm. he is an aggressive force he's a phage and in doing that, Stephen Moffat has effectively confirmed the suspicion that the Doctor really does have this affinity with Earth over other planets yeah. in some sense. Yeah, because he's looking after, because it's Gallifrey. Yeah. No. <laughs> but, yeah, I, yeah, specious, um, uh, speciest, um, which is the most specious. Um yeah, and I, 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 I kind of coming around to the idea that uh, I don't think it's racism. I don't, I don't think that's 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 ever a part of it. I think uh, he's he. I think he's underdog. Uh, is that the Earth is pretty much portrayed really as you know these are advanced races coming to take advantage. They have superior weapons. They have better technology. They have more advanced uh, fascism, and they are coming to destroy and invade the earth. And the doctor is saying, "No, this will not stand. I'm not having it. You can't treat these people like that. There are billions of people here, all who have as much right to life as you do, and you're an invading force. You know, you are, you are, you are a what's uh, the lovely phrase that uh, Ian Banks used? You are a, a homogenizing swarm." You are trying to create hierarchies. You are trying to create uh, um, a structure where uh, humanity is on the base layer. Uh, you know, you're trying to destroy us, uh, take over our planet. Uh, you know, I don't think. I think that's just defence, defence of the underdog. Mm. Maybe because <clears throat> Earth is always portrayed as the ones who can't, who don't have the technology. You know, like when the demons come and they set up the heat shield around that church, uh, uh, and they're a superior. You know, that's a love will kills it in the end story as well, which is funny. Um, but it is superior technology being used to take advantage of a, of a, of, a, of a planet that doesn't have that technology, and the Doctor is. A pure hero and defender of the uh, the meek, 
or the week or the fortnight. Defender of the fortnight, that's what the doctor is. You're looking at me askance. <laughs> okay. Right. So I think that um we've we've covered some decent ground on the doctor's attitude towards Earth. Yeah. Um he spends a lot of time there. I mean obviously and I think no series we talk about series 8 a lot but no series did it better I feel than series 8 in terms of conveying a passage of time between serials or between episodes right because there's a heavy implication in the most recent series that between each week for us a lot of time has passed so Danny and Clara presumably have been going out for at least a year by this point Mm. Um, whether or not you think she's wearing a wig on the Orient Express or she's had a haircut and then grows it out again by flatline oh, right, yeah. is neither here nor there. It's a wig. It's a wiggy wig. But we also um, get a lot of you know references in so, a series, an opening sequence where he's having a whole bunch of adventures with Clara and Clara is coming back yes, and said, I can't So see. we've got that passage of time, but what we don't see is all of the adventures in between. Mm. I think a lot of the time with the um, older classic series, Mm -hmm. there was the sense that it was all a continuous narrative. Yeah. And that there were very few... Jaunts otherwise, yeah. You know, there there would be the occasional reference. And there's a lot more now in Big Finish because it's necessary. If you see a companion join and leave in the series, if they're going to have additional adventures in audio form you have to rewrite the narrative for that medium. Well, I mean, I, 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 I completely agree with you because for the entire Fifth Door Doctor series, the companions didn't get a chance to change their clothes. That's how, in sequence, it was. It's like one adventure after another because Tegan never got out of that fucking uniform for yeah, about but six she was in that. Yeah, but she was in that uniform for the whole series, but that doesn't mean that nothing happened in between... Whether no. she was still wearing that uniform. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's the uniform They must have thing. got through a shitload of washing powder. <laughs> or they were completely humming by the end of it. Mm. But, you know, it's, but, but that was down to uh, John Nathan Turner's um, idea about having archetypes as companions. Is like, these are, they, you represent, maybe, you represent this t- person, and the way that we know that you represent that is because you wear a particular uniform, and you are therefore, you know, Guess to your thing about you know, uh, and I'm out of my expertise now. Is where um, not that was ever in it. <laughs> is 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 that um, uh, call back to a, to an earlier podcast? Is these companions represent types? They don't represent people. They are a, a type. Uh, Tegan is wearing that uniform. Turlo is wearing that public school uniform. He's the like you know they they are. You know, whereas Clara doesn't. Although she's got a bit of a uniform as well. She has a she has a look. Yeah. Um, That's a different thing, though. Yeah, she's she's got a personal sense of style, but then again, Joe Grant's looks were a bit samey. Mm. Knee high boots, short skirt, big furry jacket. Different big furry jacket, different pair of boots every week, but mm. topness abounds. Harumble. But then you can rumble. That's such a great reference to a Radio Four program. That, or you need to put that in the show notes as well. You have a link to that thing because that's lovely. Um, the old curiosity shop or whatever it's called. But yeah, um, but Romana had a different uh, dress every week. She did. Yeah, which is good. Which is so off topic. It is. My point, I think, <laughs> was that do should we assume, especially now that season eight has made it so plausible that unless we're explicitly following from one story to another mm. you know from enemy of the world to the web of fear where the doctor still has a plaster on his face oh, yeah. from his scrap with yeah. um, a salamander oh and then in the, the key time where the doctor spends most of that series with uh, with a dog bite on his lip <laughs> yes was it a dog bite was it well that's the story I thought it was a massive herpy um <laughs> A herpy. A herpy. A herpy. A herpy Zoroastra. A cold sore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, unless, 
I mean, I think with key to time because there's that arc, you can assume that they're just yeah, 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 through. Right. yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah. But there are some serials which aren't necessarily You don't have to assume. There are some where it's very difficult to circumvent the idea that this is just one following on from another. But there are times when you can shoehorn years of travel. In well, you between. have to, otherwise there'd be no big finish. You have well, exactly. <laughs> Although whether or you know that, then then you get onto the canon debate again. But that's not the point. Mm. The point is, the Doctor could well be spending all of the time that we don't see mm. defending other worlds, just as passionately and ferociously as he does Earth. Mm. He could be spending the whole bloody time on Peladon, for all we know. You saying canon? We've used this word quite a lot. Canon. Is and the that's a reference to the Bible, isn't it? Because what's canon is what's in the Bible, and mm-hmm. everything that's not in the Bible that has got this lovely name. What is it? Apocrypha. So apocrypha is all of the books that didn't get into the Bible. So maybe Big Finish is all apocrypha, and um, I just like saying that word. <laughs> you know, but so, so when you get sort of the key to time serial where there's no time for there to be any apocrypha, uh, um, you've got it's like one after the other. This is adventure, 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 adventure. No time, don't breathe, go, go, go on. And then you get Christopher Eccleston with Rose, I think, had a bit of that going on. That seemed to be one contiguous series of things that we're doing one after the other. David Tennant's Doctor didn't. I think David Tennant's Doctor definitely had some great long periods of time when he was buggering off and showing Martha or Rose, or, or Rose different bits of the universe and not having life-threatening adventures. Yeah, and, and a lot of the time the Doctor will say to his companion, no, I'm going to take you just on a fun holiday, we're going to go somewhere nice, and then they turn up and it all goes tits up. So Paradise Towers Idris being... Is, yes, because Idris has taken them there. Well, no, not even Paradise Towers being a good example. They want that's where they plan to go. They've been looking at the brochure. Do you know that's one of the things that I'm most looking forward to is watching Paradise Towers with you because I've not seen it. Yes, you have. Have I? We watched it. Oh, together. was it the one with the fucking with Richard Bryan? Oh, because I always get Paradise Towers mixed up with the one with the um, Bertie Bassett, which I haven't seen. Happiness Patrol. Happiness Patrol. I haven't seen that because apparently, because in my mind they're the same thing. No. I know. <laughs> I know they're not the same thing, but, you know. Um, but that's, that's that, yes, sorry, yes, I did watch so that. So the whole point of the happiness of Paradise Towers is yeah. the Doctor's taking Mel on holiday, mm. and they are going to Paradise Towers, and she's really excited about going to the yes. pool. And the whole point is, even though they know something fishy's going on, she eventually gets to the pool and decides to go for a swim anyway, and <sighs> comes cropper. Such but, a great, such, I mean, that was... That, that's I think something that, that the doctor does do. The doctor says, "We're going somewhere nice on holiday. I'm just going to take you somewhere beautiful or um, a well, isn't it always and the they turn line. and they turn up and it all goes tits up. Yeah. But for all we know, there could be dozens upon dozens of instances where the doctor says, "I'm taking you on a holiday," and they go on a holiday and, and they are just sitting by a pool and we don't see it because yeah. well, Donna got to what, do that, didn't she? Like I in said, midnight. in midnight, yes. Um, but like I said uh, in a previous episode, the, the whole um, that there is no drama without conflict. No. So to say we're going on holiday, yeah. go on holiday, yeah. unless some form of conflict arises that's hopefully more than someone sneaking down to the pool early yeah. and putting their towel on. Dear it. diary, fuck all happened. Let's make a story about that. Well, precisely. <laughs> Doctor's Diary. Tuesday, nothing happened. Wednesday, nothing happened. Thursday, someone died. Friday, nothing happened. That's the reference to the Coogan thing that you picked me up on. It's because it's day to day. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> have we? Have, uh, has your thesis been completely uh, developed yet about the Doctor? Or was it just a question? Were you saying... As a genuine question, what is the Doctor's fascination for the Earth? And let's discuss. Or did you have a... I have no... You haven't got a point. I don't... <laughs> I never have a point. Yeah, I do. used to have points, and then I started hanging out with you, and it all went to shit. <laughs> um, yeah. I... Yeah, no, I don't have an answer. I just thought it's something that I just don't have an answer for. 
That's a and great therefore, question. Why not discuss it? Yeah, yeah, no, brilliant. I loved it. I think we've discussed it. Mm, we have discussed it. So we've fallen out. <laughs> <laughs> and then recovered. So <laughs> that's brilliant. Yeah. So if you have any thoughts, yeah, feel free to comment on the blog. Yeah. Or send us an email. Yeah. At binrowwasright at gmail dot com. Yeah. Or contact us on Twitter. Yes. Tweet it. Uh, yes, please. Tweet at at Bin, Binrow was right. Yeah. Or at Discrinder. Or at Betsy Chevron. Yeah. Don't think that you're going to get any coherent answers ever on Twitter from me. Or whatever. <laughs> and the other thing I would like to say is we have we've got comments open on our blog, and the reason why you know if you do have something good to say and something that kind of uh, 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 continues the debate, do it on the blog because it's there and we can come back to it and we can see it in a year's time. If you stick it on Twitter, it's going to be lost in the timeline with all the other shit that's on Twitter. So that's my thing. And we've also uh, got a Facebook which is another good place to, to, to put your stuff on because, again, it will be preserved there. I've changed my opinion about Facebook, clearly. Uh, yeah, so Facebook, great. Twitter, yeah, okay, but only if for ephemeral conversations about the moment. Put it on the blog. But or the if you place, just want to call us assholes generally, Twitter's probably the place for it. Yeah, it's great for doing that. Yeah, I'm used to that. But the other thing, but if you do... If you do feel, um, you know, strongly positive towards us, leave us a rating on iTunes. That'd be nice. Yeah. That'd be great. So until next time. Yeah, love you. Bye. The Earth is a very small stage in a vast cosmic arena. Think of the rivers of blood spilled by all those generals and emperors so that in glory and triumph they could become the momentary masters of a fraction of a dot. Think of the endless cruelties visited by the inhabitants of one corner of this pixel on the scarcely distinguishable inhabitants of some other corner. How frequent their misunderstandings. How eager they are to kill one another. How fervent their hatreds. Our posturings, our imagined self-importance, the delusion that we have some privileged position in the universe, are challenged by this point of pale light. Our planet is a lonely speck in the great enveloping cosmic dark. In our obscurity, in all this vastness, there is no hint that help will come from elsewhere to save us from ourselves. Very clever. <laughs>